0: everybody this is tim this is terry we're from deep fall you're listening to jay with the hook rocks hell yeah check out our new song revolution
1: the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast thanks for tuning in once again we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts you can check out my friends like carmen of peace and vinnie apathy on the hanging and Bangin' podcast tom and zeus on the shout out loudcast um i know uh, there's been some messages posted about tom and his wife um our uh, deepest sympathies go out to tom and uh, look forward for them uh to get him back uh, in the swing of things with Shout Out Loudcast. Family's always first, but if you have the time, reach out to them on social media and uh, wish Tom and his son the best with uh, the tragic news about his wife. Um, also, don't forget to check out other friends, too, on the on the podcast platform. Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast, Martin Popoff, Decibel Geek, Mistress Carrie, and many others. Don't forget to check out The Hook Rocks wherever you podcast. Set your app for automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone. We've had some great guests lately on the Hook Rocks. We've had Joe Satriani talking about his new album, Mark Tremonti talking about his Sinatra album. We've done some great new music spotlights, which is really what we're all about. We just had Deep Fall on as well as... Native Sons, Band Inc., Stone Broken, Fast Eddie, and more, and more to come in that regard, too, as well. And check out our audio expert, Dr. Skylab Tapes, at Skylab Tapes on Twitter. He is our professor of all things audio, and we talk about how to improve the acoustics in your house with your audio and stereo system, as well as what to do when you're at a venue and you want to improve the sound of where you're standing and where you're sitting, moving around, being centered in the venue, all that good stuff. Rob is always a great guest and always a pleasure to have on. And we have another phenomenal guest, too. We'd like to welcome back one of my favorite musicians in rock today. Um, had the pleasure of seeing him at Creatures Fest jamming with Bruce Kulik and the Bruce Kulik Band. Absolute rock star. He's part of Slash and the Conspirators featuring Miles Kennedy. One of the best albums of 2021 was Minefield and uh, check that album out as a fantastic album. He's also or just announced a project with Tracy Guns, which we'll talk a little bit about, too, as well. I'd like to welcome in Todd Dammit Kearns. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm
2: great. How are you? Wow. When you say all that, it's exhausting, actually. It's-
1: <laughs> I don't use any cue cards at all. <laughs> <and> it- <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Well, when you do, God, how many? We're coming up on 400 episodes. Oh, my um, gosh. It's kind of part of the muscle memory at this point. So, man, oh, man. And uh, yeah. So,
2: man, I I'm was really in- sorry. Before I start, I'm really sorry to hear about Tom's wife. That's so horrible. Hope he's okay. I mean, that's, I can't imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, the news, you know, was, was abrupt after he came back from preacher's fest and, um, you know, I, I, uh, just hope that, uh, you know, he is, yeah. you know, doing what he can do with his son and, uh, mm-hmm. just, you know, getting, you know, getting better each day, each day. that Absolutely.
2: Passes. Yeah. I so. mean, he, he's such a good, such a good dude. Yes. He is.
1: Yes. He is. And, so uh, yeah, so like I said, if, if you have a chance and you're listening and you listen to both podcasts and you're a fan of Shout Out Loudcast, please, uh, I know he appreciates all the messages and uh, everybody reaching out to him. It does mean a lot, especially in a moment like this, so uh, please do if, uh, if you can. Absolutely. But Creatures Fest, man, I um, that was a wild weekend, and...
2: It's like a, a friend of mine was just talking today because I, I was saying how um I'm going to be talking to you. And he goes, he goes man, that thing's it's like a support group. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, the Creatures Fest thing is just it's, this, it's been this long tale about having, you know, talking about it. And like the, I, just yesterday, a friend of mine finally sent me the a Vinnie Vincent T-shirt. I'm like, yes. You know, it's
1: like yeah, it's, All those
2: conversations have been long. You know, and everybody who wasn't there is reaching out to me, dude. Was it seriously that crazy? I'm going, yeah, it was crazy. But wouldn't you be disappointed if it wasn't crazy? It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I've, I've told the story. So I, you know, Ace went on 945 Friday night. And yeah. then I was, I'm like, all right, cool. That means then he's going on 945. I'm going to go see Tuck Smith at the I basement. Read
2: your, I read your thing about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and hey, you, oh, you had plans? No.
1: <laughs> 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 so then they sent a message out that he was going on 730 to 8 o'clock. Um, so I had to cancel my plans, my my original plans, but it was so surreal because I was 11 years old when the first Vinnie Vincent album came out and the first Kiss album I bought was Kiss, Look It Up when I was nine, nine years old, I think. yeah. Yeah. So I've been, you know, Vinnie was really the first guitar player of Kiss that I had been introduced to as a young kid. And then I went backwards, of course, and discovered Ace. And then I remember being at Rolling Stone Records outside of Chicago. He was signing the, the debut album and he came out in full, like, boys are going to rock, like outfit. Like, really? Like the video. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember my mother was with me and she's like, is that a man or a woman? And I'm like, that's my, it's Vinnie Vincent, mom, you know? So I got him and Dana Strum's autograph on the debut album. And I love Vinnie Vincent. I think he's a very underrated songwriter, yep. um, you know, with some of the stuff that he's did with the debut album and with Kiss. And, you know, it, I've always been really disappointed that he never really kind of pursued that as a way you know to, to stay in the music business because the songs that he wrote with Kiss on Creatures and on Lick It Up and on Revenge and plus the you know I mean back and on the, the streets
2: and the, and the invasion stuff as well yeah and the
1: invasion stuff yeah it's just remarkable and yeah. so I've always kind of had that I wish you could have done more and and I know you know there's always things said and, and but it was just a surreal experience and yeah I'm glad I went but you know, I was kind of like, oh, I passed up Tuck Smith for this. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, first of all, Tuck's amazing. I mean, yes. Um, um, but the
2: reality is, is that you're going to have multiple chances to see Tuck. Uh, exactly. Of that. But you're not going to get a lot of chances to see this. I mean, for better or worse, it's something we both experienced and can talk about it. We will be talking about this in 10 years. Remember that time? Yes. Um, I- I'm with you in a lot of ways, like in doing what we do with Brews being able to put together a, you know, a class act and, and support that music that we all love, you know, this being the Bruce oriented era, I would love to see Vinny with a lineup of guys. I, I, you know what? I'll put myself out there. I would gladly help put together a lineup to go out and do those songs. Cause that would be a blast, you know, cause I still, I was listening to, uh, shoot you full of my love in the car of that song <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean like i love that stuff i'm I'm currently reading after 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 getting back from that i was like just buzzing from the entire experience so i got bobby rock's book you know and i'm like i'm just digging into it and i know dana and i know mark slaughter and those guys so you know i don't really i'm not the kind of guy who like i don't like i don't like hearing it dirt i don't like hearing all the negative things i just i'm such a fan of, of the music that you know unfortunately in the kiss world there's there's Positive and negative versions of every story, but uh, I'm a big fan of just staying as positive as possible. And the positive side is the music. So I would love to have seen someone like Vinny be able to put a lineup together that goes out and 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 celebrates that music, everything he's ever done. You know, I think um, I don't know if that's a bit of a long shot at this point, but um, uh, it would sure be great. You know,
1: yeah, because those songs do need to be heard, and it's a shame that there is a strong possibility that they never will be played live again. Um, and that's Maybe not you know,
2: with Vinny anyway. I don't know. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, that was part of my youth. That was part of my childhood and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the whole, you know, out of all the, the members of kiss, he is probably one of the most interesting in that there's not a lot known about him over the last what 25 years, you Pretty know? Much. So, so that whole mystique level, I don't know if any other KISS member can reach that level that Minnie has in terms of that, in terms of that no. mystique, you know? So hopefully he can use that to his advantage and, and hopefully he can, you know, put together a band. Um, yeah. You know, it, 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 the, the you know, it's, it's now that I get further and further away from the performance, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess expecting more, probably would have you know the, the bar was low for me
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, but and I think if I would have had higher expectations it probably would even hurt even more but I just think that um I think that a lot of people were just kind of like I mean there was you know what it's like Some speculation is even
2: going to show up you know there's yeah. a lot of that conversation in this right. world we know what time it is and we know what everybody's been through on other occasions and to me it was like I don't know you know it's like The fact that he was there and and he did what he did, I was kind of like, I'm okay with this. I'm like, I I didn't go home or like spend the rest of the time sort of, you know, a lot of people were pretty hung up on like it should have been this or should have been that. I'm like, hey, man, at a certain point, you just kind of go, this is this happened. He's here. That's great. I I don't really get into the whole, you know, because it's getting to see Ace and Peter together. That's always that was great. Yeah, That's always the dream. I got to see that back in the nineties on the bad boys tour. So I was, you know, getting to see it again was actually very touching and, um, you know, getting, and then us doing our set and having Peter come up. Um, it was really interesting because there was a lot of, um, to Neil, Neil's, um, credit, the, who, who ran Creatures Fest in this sort of weird, like, well, what about this dream team organization, Bruce Kulick with Peter Chris, that doesn't happen. You know, I mean, other than like the unplugged show back in the day. Um, so it was like, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, we, you know, I always equate it to being, you know, whether it's a sports convention or a, or a Star Wars or Star Trek convention, you know what I mean, like you're, you're kind of at a thing where it's like there's going to be Shatner and Patrick Stewart. And then there's a bunch of guys who are in red shirts and were killed in 10 minutes in an episode, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and there's guys like me who are just kind of like, not real. I'm sort of, you know, like kind of second generation, like, you know, I play with Bruce. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of like my my connection to the kiss world is is as much as a, as a fan and as much as a an audience member as it is as a guy playing that music but we play it out of such a, a deep respect for the music and we want it to be right you know we don't want to go up there and and like i don't know hack it away and and just sort of like you know with no respect for it or just kind of like eh, it's good enough right it's kind of we actually kill ourselves to make that and that stuff's not easy we're talking about you know kiss when they were performing at a level that was um you know Paul's voice was peak you know and and just the the power of the band was all about speed and heavy and and and, and aggression you know and uh, in some cases you know but then um so it's you know we're fans we, we we're probably I'm probably like you I when I go to a show I'm good uh, you know I I don't need to hear shouted out loud and rock and roll all night I know I'm not going to because that's what this is but when guys like um like us it's like when we get to do our set with with Bruce it's sort of like you know, even getting to dig in, like, last time on the Kiss Cruise, we played Exciter, which Bruce mm-hmm. had no connection to. But we were, like, we had open shows with King of the Mountain. We had open shows with, um, I can't even remember now, like, just multiple different, like, openers. And it was, like, that one cruise where we were, like, man, we we kind of burned off all the, like, the great deep cut openers. You know, I think we might have done King of the Mountain. We might have done uh, I've Had Enough. I don't know. But then um, you get to a point where you're, like, Exciter would be pretty pretty cool. That's a bad ass, And Bruce is sort of like one of those guys who's like, you know, he he does sort of voice like, well, I don't really have a connection to that song. What's the, you know, but it's kind of like, yeah, but people will trip if they see not only are we playing that song, but Bruce Kulick is playing that song. You know, that to me is as a fan, I just knew that would be, that would be a slam dunk. And um, apparently that's Rick Derringer on that song. Yes. Which I think even he is kind of only mildly aware of.
1: (laughs) Oh, I I played that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the thing that was cool. Well, first of all, regarding Neil to to manage all those personalities god god bless that guy yeah i mean that's not talked about enough you know when you got no. ace and peter who've had some good times and some bad times with each other you've got mm-hmm. Vinny, who is the unknown you don't know what's what vinnie's going to show up and then you know to have those three to manage all that to get all that on stage you know bruce is the easy guy right bruce is the you know he's the one that you know, knows, you know, you kind of know what to expect anytime he walks in the room, but to have those other personalities and to manage that all weekend, uh, th- that is a huge, huge uh, deal. To Neil's credit. It's
2: funny because uh, somebody brought it up to me, it goes, you know, the weird thing was, is that there was so much anticipation for um, Vinnie Vincent and so much anticipation for, say, Sister's Doll, you know, with Peter Chris and that kind of stuff. It almost sort of took away that in a very positive way people weren't necessarily thinking too much about the Bruce band. Cause they were going, and my friend sort of put it to me like, but because that that's only because we knew it was going to be great. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> like we knew what to expect of that. And I'm not patting myself on the back. This is what they said to me. And I'm kind of like, well, I, I'm glad that we have the reputation of like those guys are going to, those guys would be great. You just don't know what these other factors are going to be. And that kind of creates this sort of anticipation of, um, you know, even the, even the signings, like those lineups, were insane. I kept walking by and I'd be like, "Who's this?" And it'd be like, "Oh, this is for Vinnie Vincent." Still, I'd be like, "Has been going on all day, you know, or, yeah. or whatever." It was like it was nuts. I was really impressed with this sort of this sort of turnout and this sort of passion. I'm always blown away by that that sort of thing. I will, I live with a bit of it in the Guns and Roses world, you know, playing with Slash. There's that whole that whole thing, but you know, but we all know the Kiss world is a whole other animal.
1: Totally. Um, what was. Awesome for me was hearing those songs again, especially you know the, from the Revenge album. That to right. me is one of the best Kiss albums of all time, and sure. and really is kind of also a forgotten album too because it came it to the tail be. end yeah. right before the reunion. Um, mm-hmm. It's I don't think it's really appreciated as much as it should be,
3: yeah.
1: uh, and hearing those songs like Just Want to Take It Off, Domino, God, I mean. Yeah. Heart of Chrome. I mean, yeah. and then hearing Sword and Stone, my God, that was like, yeah. I did not expect that at all. That was absolutely incredible. Th- there is an appetite for that, for, for those songs, for the non-makeup era of Kiss. I would even put Creatures in that too as yeah, well would- because um, it's so part of, I think, that transition into it. Is there any talk with you and Bruce or has Bruce spoke about potentially putting this out on the road and giving this for the fans. I mean, obviously it's not going to play the level of, of arenas that, that Kiss is playing in or stadiums. It's not. But I I do think in a a, a good, you know, 5,000 seater, you know, 3,000 seater, whatever, I mean, you know, give or take, um, certain markets are different, but I do think there's an appetite for that stuff. I do think people want to hear that. I mean, people were totally into it when, when, when uh, we were hearing the full revenge album being played. You know, we talk about it a lot, to be honest. I mean, we first did this, the the
2: first time I played with Bruce was like 12 years ago. We did a, a thing for his BK3 record uh, Was myself and Brent Fitz and another bass player. And we just sort of did like a CD release party that he put together at the Cat Club in, in Hollywood on the Sunset Strip. And then, um, you know, then we all went our separate ways and lived our lives. And then when we sort of reconvened with Bob, you know, in 2017 for that Kiss Cruise and the Kulik Brothers um, you know, I think immediately there was sort of a, uh, you know, a sort of, is this going to happen? Is this coming to Pennsylvania? Is this coming to, you know, wherever, you know, and I was sort of like, I don't know. I honestly don't know because mostly, you know, you talk about scheduling, you know, uh, what everybody else has going on, but, um, I think, like anything, I think if the demand is there, I think it's more than likely that these things will kind of present themselves. We've done uh, the Kiss Indie Expo that few years back, and and a few things like that. So those kind of things pop up. I I think that there's. um, uh, I remember walking off stage when we played that first one on the Kiss Cruise, and I kind of walked off, and I was like, "Well, that was fun." And my wife looks at me, and she goes, "You're going to go talk to those people?" And I turn around, there's a big gaggle of people who are just like, "What?" You know, because people were like, you know, grown men in tears hearing tomorrow from the paul stanley album you know i was like i think they, they were saying stuff like you know i never thought i'd ever hear these songs live and seeing them with the actual guitar player and for this thing and the actual guitar player for that the other stuff it's like and you go i'm it's so endearing that it's it's so um important to, to people so like i say if we could take it to pennsylvania at just some theater or a club or whatever I, of course we would if the demand were and the um And we could make it work, I think. The the reality is, is the four of us just really love doing it. And we really love the music. And we really love, um, you have to have the right people to do that. Because you can't have that one guy that's like, it's good enough, right? It's kind of like, it it has to be at a a level. Because people, it's almost kind of like when Kiss did the reunion stuff. I remember Paul Stanley saying something about like, not only are we trying to live up to what it was, we're trying to live up to what people's um, expectations of it are. And they're sort of like, almost a sense of skewed memory of it like it's kind of like it wasn't really what you remember but it's it's just so gargantuan in your nine-year-old memory that when you went and saw the kiss alive 2 tour in at madison square gardens you know so it's like it has to live up beyond all that and i think we have these very we're very tough on each other about like oh don't forget that one little section and don't forget this and and zach and i have A lot of words to remember and a lot of challenging vocals. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, Gene was singing stuff that, uh, you know, at the peak of his ability and and Paul was at the peak of his ability back then, too. So it's like guys like us just can't show up and phone it in.
1: I mean, I want to make sure it's right. Yeah, when you think of songs like "My Way" or "I'll Fight Hell to Hold you, Hold You," forget about. I it. I mean, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And I've had to do both of those. in In we did a uh Crazy Nights uh, medley one time. And we busted out all that stuff, and you got and I, you know, I'm 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 that guy who always says yes. Like when when Bruce goes, "Well, I'm thinking this and I'm thinking that." Hell yeah, let's do that. And then once you actually get into it and you're inside of, you know, those songs, you're like, "Oh man, what's going on here?" It's like, you know, like Paul's like just flexing all the way and i mean as he should have you know
1: well when you think back to paul during that time you had these vocalists that were out there that were pushing the limits you know whether it was mark slaughter or even before that you had steve perry you had had, um the singer from survivor you had you know a lot of singers that were just pushing each other Mm -hmm. and of course you know paul like many frontmen, has that ego where he wants to be included in the conversation so when you hear my way You hear some of these songs that he sang, you have to kind of realize that that's what he's going for. He's probably, you know, like, Hey, I can do this too. Totally. I'm never going to sing this live, but I can, I can do this too. Cause those, those songs and his vocal uh, range on those albums is is tremendous. It is. Yeah.
2: I mean, again, you know, that they were, you know, at a certain place and a certain age and music was, you know, like you say that what was going on around them sort of pushed them to kind of go that route. So I think that, uh, um, I mean, a lot of that, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to Paul for that entire chapter. You know, I mean, like that Paul was like, um, didn't seem to be distracted by anything other than being in Kiss, you know? So, um, and I think we all knew that at the time because Paul was so much like the focal point in a way. Um, His his songwriting and his voice at that time were tantamount. You know, he was at the complete peak of visibility of um not to you know and i think he had the right guys around him with eric carr and and, and bruce Kulick to kind of take it into the into the 80s and into the you know that that whole scene and then obviously gene's input is you know we, we can't understate that as well but um yeah no paul was it's like looking back at like you know the chicago bulls michael jordan or whatever it's kind of like you know you kind of go well that's yeah they they couldn't lose yeah
1: as far as you go with, you know, playing with Bruce, Minefield, playing with Slash, these other projects that you have. How do you fit into each dynamic within those entities? Because, I mean, you've got to be sort of like a chameleon where, you know, you know what to expect with this group. You know what to expect with this group. You know your role in, in this and that. But how do you, you know, you kind of change, you know, abruptly in, into one project into the next? You know, it's so funny
2: because I've been thinking about this a lot lately because as as time has gone by, and oddly enough, the, the lockdown and all that sort of created its own uh, momentum and different opportunities that just would not have been there if there hadn't been a bunch of guys sitting at home going like, you know, Tracy Guns or whoever going like, hey, dude, you want... <laughs> you know, and we live in a, day, in a day and age where we're not sending over giant boxes of two-inch tape from Los Angeles to Denmark. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like, we're literally sending files back and forth and we could do uh, amazing real-time things where you know i can you know fool around with something send it back and have a comment back you know within moments you know what i mean um i've been thinking a lot about the idea of like doing different projects and it's and it's very interesting to me because i think i've had this conversation with a lot of guys where i think we all a lot of us wish we were 17 18 22 23 years old and we put aerosmith together the end you know what i mean like and we died playing an aerosmith but um that didn't work out that way for me. You know, it's like um Or Kiss or The Rolling Stones or whatever long, long version, long game of that of that version is. Um, for me, it was more like, you know, the band that I started and was supposed to be that, you know, went about 10 years and then it fell apart and then we all went off in different directions. And my life went into um into a totally different game, you know, and, and landing in and Slash's band. I had always been sort of a lead vocalist, a songwriter and and all that kind of stuff. Um and then I landed Slash's band and I'm perfectly happy to be running around the world a million times um, doing everything that you can imagine at that level. Um, But at the same time, when people come to you and uh and they sort of, you know, pull on that sort of uh chord that says you want to sing this, you want to write, you want to do all that kind of stuff. Well, then, of course, that's that's a different thing altogether, where like stuff like Minefield is very, very much so. Me on the couch watching Tiger King or whatever, you know, during glo- lockdown and just sort of, you know, d- going down every rabbit hole of YouTube, Hulu, Netflix, just enjoying well the wrong word, but, you know, making the most of the, the downtime. And then when, you know, Jeremy Asbrock from the Ace Fraley band and when he reached out and said, hey, dude, we're doing this project and would you be interested in singing a song or or helping, you know, coming up with a song? and nothing ever starts at that it's going to it's called this it's going to be this it's kind of like a it's like more like a project that just sort of stumbles along into suddenly becoming you know well who's going to play bass on this okay well I'll play bass on it you know kind of thing and the next thing you know it sort of turns into a in my opinion a very strong record you know I mean like I, I'm very very proud of what we did on that i mean it's one of those things where we live in a day and age where um you know i so the focus on on creating music um it's sort of getting less and less, uh, attention in a way, at least in my world, I find that slash to his credit is, is, is needs no motivation. Like he is good to go. Like he's out with guns right now, but he's already formulating whatever the next plan is. And I'm not even fully aware what that plan is. He's just the kind of guy he's always got something going on. He always wants to write. He always wants to record. He's always moving forward. Um, a lot of the more, um, you know, the classic bands sort of fall into that world of like, we'll just go out and we'll play the hits, you know, and and that's nothing wrong with that. You know, go out, just, you know, go through the motions and and, and do the thing. And, and we all love it. In a lot of ways, unfortunately, it's our own fault that we're, you know, as soon as Aerosmith busts out a new song, everybody goes to get a popcorn or something. You know, it's kind of like, no, I mean, we want to focus on new music. So for guys like me, it's like the focus on, on writing music and, and being able to sing it you know that sort of pulls me out of um playing bass and singing backups into Bruce's situation where it's like you know the main focus is you know um you know uh, the focus on those that chapter of music within Kiss um you know I do a thing called Took with Brent Fitz is a Canadian thing and we do a lot of Canadian covers and we play a bunch of cool um charity gigs and stuff like that um, we do write songs as well, but it's, you know, it's, it's a different thing. So with stuff like say Tracy or even the other projects that I have going on, I've had to kind of almost start to think of it like more like, like an actor in a way where you kind of like, you don't really think to yourself like Brad Pitt only plays Cowboys, you know, or or whatever, or whatever Tom Hanks only plays this one kind of character. To me, it's kind of like, I think the days might be a little bit gone of expecting an artist just to do one thing, the end, you know what I mean? I like playing acoustic shows. I just did one recently. And um, I think the ability to play melodic kind of music and then playing like really hard rocking music, I-, I feel very, very um, lucky to be able to do that in a lot of ways, as much as it would probably be easier if I just played in one band, Band X, and I wake up this morning and what's on Band X's, you know, calendar today? Um but I kind of get to do a lot of different things. And sometimes it's, um, you know, very huge production type things, but lots of uh, very slick kind of things. And then other things I do are very raw and very, um, uh, you know, sort of instinctive in that way. And I think all those things are really who I am in the same way that I think that a lot of people have um, a lot of different interests and a lot of different um, abilities. So you know, it's not like sports where I have to kind of, you know, check out it at a certain age. Like, you know, my time is up like Logan's run or something like that. It's just like, I'm going to keep doing this. You know what I mean? And, and if, if the right projects come along and your schedule allows, then you, it's up to you to decide, like, I mean, on a few occasions, I've said, yeah, sure. Let's try and write some songs together or let's try and do something. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and that dictates the momentum going forward. If it doesn't work out, then it's probably not going to you know move forward. If it does then you hope to chase it down.
1: It's also indicative of what the music business is right now too, as well, especially rock music. I've talked about this several times on the podcast about a lack of infrastructure for new music. Mm -hmm. There's really, I mean, that doesn't mean it's bad. new music today I think is just as good during any period uh, of rock music. It's just, there's no outlet for it or Mm -hmm. the outlets that you, that, that are there are hard to find or it's not promoted in the way that other genres are promoted. So you really have to find different projects, right. To, to keep, yeah. you know, to keep yourself out there. You know, unfortunately there's only a handful, maybe a little bit more than a handful of legacy artists that can just rely on that being in that one act, you know, because yeah. they're big enough to do that, you know, and, hey, and. There's even like things like the Hollywood
2: vampires. I mean, as much as those guys probably don't need to do that, obviously, They they do it because there's 365 days in the year, and for some of that year, Aerosmith's on hiatus, or I guess Alice is Alice. He can do whatever the hell he wants. But you know, I mean, like it's kind of like I think even for guys at that level, the fun of doing something a little different makes you go like, "Oh, this sounds like fun," and off you go and and do that for a while.
1: I was just gonna say Adrian Smith from Maiden doing the project with Katzen, you know, this this past year. Um, I, as a music band, enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a young kid, I would always wonder what it would like to hear this artist in this band with this artist in that band. Totally. And you know, basically, you know, it was a different time back in the 80s and the 90s where it didn't really allow for that to happen on right. most occasions. But I get excited when I see, you know, George Lynch playing with the singer from Living Color yeah, or, you know, the bassist from King's X. You know, I totally. think that's totally awesome. I agree. Um, so I don't understand sometimes when there's negative comments about that i'm like what do you mean it's i mean todd kearns is going to make more music so that's i'm a todd kearns fan so why do i have a problem with that george lynch is making more music why do i have a problem with that Um, so yeah so i i think it's a great thing i wish though as we all do you know new music would have a platform have that infrastructure for it to be heard because you know for for new artists or artists like yourself who are producing i mean the minefield album is was tremendous i mean that is yeah i mean and i hate to say you know what everyone says oh if this was released during this period it would have been huge yeah unfortunately that that is the the reality but it but it is it's damn good i mean it's 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 really is
2: it's funny that you say that because in a lot of ways you know to me the what's the what's the conversation like if if we had released this at a certain point it would be you know, would be better for it. But so, so the the other conversation is kind of like, well, then we just don't do it like we just don't do it because it's not the right time to release music or whatever or write music or make music or create music. It's kind of like to me, I just feel like there's never really a bad reason to make music. And to be honest, I feel like everything leads to something else as much as whether there'll be another attempt for those same four guys to make another chunk of music together I look back at things like do you remember when Sammy Hagar and Neil Sean had a band together just at one record HSAS exactly yeah and I was like I remember thinking like this was so cool you know and it, and it was just a brief it was just a one one time thing and it was gone you know And you so I don't know in this day and age with music at least in my the world that I live in personally and and the way things kind of are happening for me it's sort of like you know the when you talk about being able to sell music or or where to market that music and all that kind of stuff. We really live in a weird place right now. And I'm sure it'll figure itself out where, where bands like the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith and, and kiss and and all those bands, the money's on the road. You know, we all know that now, like this, the idea of kicking back and just making money on record sales, that ship sailed a long time ago. You know what I mean? So for guys like me, that's, I, I really have no complaints. Playing music live is the whole game to me. I love that more than anything else. I mean, I also love recording music. I also love writing music, but at the same time, I never would have sort of said to myself, I'm not going on the road anymore. I'm going to sit back and just kind of like, yeah, I I just can't imagine that being a conversation. But, um, that said, um, you know, so when, when, like I said before, is there 365 days in the year? And if one of those projects takes up, you know, uh, doesn't take up, but if it feels like, this chunk of your time. And then this chunk of your time, this chunk of your time to me, it's kind of like, I'm going to try and fill as many of those days as I can with as much stuff that I, a feel like is fun and B feels like it's productive. Um, I mean, money is also, you know, I would say that, you know, I guess that's also on the list if you can actually get paid to do it, but you know, it, the music business is such that, you know, um, creating of music isn't often the most, um, financial, you know, isn't the, isn't the, isn't the biggest number one reason to do it is not for financial reasons. But, um, to me, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I feel creative and I feel like, you know, whether people like it or not, it's sort of like, um, I think there's enough people who seem to like what I do that I'm just going to keep doing it, you know, as long as the opportunities present themselves. And sometimes it'll be with this guy. And sometimes it'll be with that guy. And sometimes it'll be with these guys. Um, until, um, one of those things becomes so busy that it, you know, is the thing that keeps me, keeps me doing the one thing. I don't think it's, it's really, and that's why I can't help, but think of the actor um, sort of parable within the idea of like, you wouldn't expect, um, you know, whichever actor to be in the same film a hundred times with the exact same cast. It's kind of like, I know it's kind of a a silly kind of uh, comparison because everybody knows that we're not playing parts. We are, we are who we are. We're making music, but to me, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes just changing up the game of like, you know, having one guitar player present you a, you know, a thing is going to be markedly different than the other person who presents you an idea. You know what I mean? It's just, that's the nature of being with creative people is everybody's so different that it sparks other parts of your brain that you wouldn't have thought of this um, until that guy played that riff, or you wouldn't have thought of that until that guy played that thing for you. So I, I don't there's not really a negative to me like as far as like being creative, staying busy, keeping out or making music. It's a short ride. You know what I mean? Like it's like Paul McCartney's about to turn eighty years old and I keep thinking to myself, man, what a trip. You know, what I mean like that's a long ways away, but I bet you I bet you my age doesn't feel that long ago for Paul McCartney, you know what I mean? So it's like uh a lot of
1: things can happen between now and then. Who knows? From a business standpoint when you forecast the next 10 years and you and you understand that a lot of these legacy artists will stop touring, like Kiss, like mm-hmm. ACDC, like Iron Maiden, there is going to be that vacuum that's created where from a business standpoint, when you think of Live Nation, there is a percentage of concert goers that will not have concerts to go to, which means that yeah. there's money going to be left on the table. So what is what does a company like Live Nation do what does some of these promoters or these record companies do or whoever is involved in it there's going to be I believe a a kind of a push for some of these artists that have been kind of underneath the the legacy artists to kind of become those next headliners in live oh. music because there's too much money left on the table with you know, people paying to go see Paul McCartney or people paying to go see ACDC or Iron Maiden or Kiss or whoever. Yeah. So I do think that's coming, you know, as we go out in the next 10 years, in the next decade of what who will be on those stages in those arenas, in those football stadiums. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Like
2: who? I'm very curious to know who that's going to be. I mean, that that to me, it's uh, and there's a whole that's a, that's a very deep conversation, but it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting that you bring that up. Cause we all sort of say the same things, you know, once you're, once those guys have sort of, you know, I mean, realistically within the 10 years, like you say, it's becomes less and less likely how much they can even go out or at all. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it's very interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to witness this in real time. Like, it's yeah. not like, you know, it's that like we're going to be sitting here watching it happen. Um, I mean, obviously, the uh, the younger people, the Harry Styles, the whatever you want to call that whole young people's generation of music, that's that's going to be around for a long time. <laughs> I assume. I mean, I, it, that's a whole other conversation, too, as far as like, does any of that have the legs, Um, you know, like seeing Harry Styles at 78 years old? I don't know. Is that a thing? It could be. You know, we'll we'll see. But um, uh, but you, you are absolutely correct. And I think that also is interesting as you're watching even Kiss themselves discussing you know, the, uh, a future with a band like Kiss um, without Gene and Paul or maybe even Tommy and Eric For that, at this point. I don't even know. Um, you know, and then bands like Foreigner or whoever who are, you know, new versions of, you know, it, where it wasn't just like, boom, it's a new band. It's kind of like a, a slow transition where the, the thing is handed over. Um, even watching stuff like that series Pistol that came out, you know, watching the Sex Pistols, who, you know, part of my, part of my youth, you know, to become like a mainstream television show is like, you know, it's, it's, you kind of feel like, is this, I mean, it, are, isn't this kind of too soon? I know, I know it's a long time ago when you actually do the math, but it is weird to watch, you know, for all intents and purposes, I hate to, I know John Lydon would, would, would probably kill me on the spot for calling it almost heritage music or classic rock in a sense, but, music that was created in 1976 or whatever, whenever it was is a long time ago. And it carries over from, you know, like two or three generations of, of, of of rock fans at this point um, where, whether it's kiss or Pink Floyd or anything from back in our youth, um, will it carry on in some version with somebody? I mean, I, I would imagine there's a, there's a reason why Pink Floyd tribute bands do really good business. You know what I mean? Like they can go out and do, there's like some band from Australia that does it and they do like massive venues and they have massive production. And I'm like, and it's like, well, yeah, but there's a, there's a, there's a big hole there. It's kind of like back. I don't know if you remember back in the day before kiss put the makeup on, it seemed like the, the ability to to do a kiss tribute band in full makeup and fire and stuff was pretty big business until kiss put it back on. So the takeaway factor is there.
1: So it's anybody, it's anybody's guess. It's anybody's yeah. guess. Well, you know, money will yeah. will decide. Yeah, that's you know, true. What, what, whatever they decide, whoever they decide to push, you know, whether it's the promoter, whether it's a coordinated effort between record companies and promoter to decide, okay, who's the handful that we need to push for that for that for those people that want to go see a rock concert right. that can't anymore because these bands aren't touring. So, I think that'll be the biggest determining factor: is who they decide, and and that's you know and. And that could mean who's ever got a new album on at that time or who's ever had a couple hit, not there really is no hits anymore, but you know, who's ever has the most numbers on social media, yeah. whatever the case is at that time, I think that's where you'll find the money go behind and start to lift these bands up to that next. You'll start to hear them on radio, you'll start to hear them on all of a sudden you'll hear a song by a band that you're like, they've been around like Rival Sons, they've been around for 15 years. I've never heard them on the radio. Here they are on the radio. Then then you know that there's something behind it. You know?
2: It's sort of uh, the parable within that to me sometimes feels like, you know, in the punk rock world where, you know, when I was a kid, Bad Religion and Social D, you know, those were the bands that were traveling around doing like the Johnny Appleseed work of like going around and playing punk rock clubs and sleeping on people's floors. And then they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And one day, you're just around for long enough that you become a legend. You know what I mean? Like now social D and bad religion are a very successful machine. You know I mean? They go out and they do, you know, multiple shows a year and then you get into the other side of it. When things like the misfits are like selling out the forum in LA and stuff like that. And you know, there there's these, these, there's something to be said about just sticking around long enough (laughs) that you kind of like, it's, Not easy, you know, but you stick around long enough and you just become, you kind of get a lot of love because you've been around that long. Not to discern, not to to take away the quality of work that those bands were doing. I mean, that's quite the the opposite. But it was such a specialized um, niche market that they had uh, that just sort of, but as your niche market grows up, when it was a bunch of 15-year-olds who sort of grew up and become, you know, disposable income adults, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. So. Like you say, whether it's, it'll be very interesting to watch that kind of play itself out. Whether it's rival sons or um, dirty honey, maybe you know, or bands like that. If if they can sort of traverse how difficult it is to keep four or five people together for that long, um, you know, all of our favorite bands have been through that, um, and uh, wait for the 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 benefit of just the long term hang.
1: I also see that, too, with a lot of the, you know, new bands when we compare them to this band or that band. And, you know, one side of the fence is against it because it's, you know, it's they call them a cover band of this band. Other fans on the other side are excited that there's a band like this again. Yeah. So it's a constant battle, that constant war. But I think what neither side realizes is there's a want for it. Right. There's a want for that type of band again,
3: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: whether it's a band that sounds like a legacy artist or whatever, there is a ear for it. And and I think that's as you know, as like you said, these younger kids who are listening to these bands have disposable income. You will see more more times than not those bands that kind of emulate bands from the past sort of rise up because of that familiarity and tone and music.
2: You're you're absolutely correct. And I think that there's something to be said about it's new to it's new to somebody, you know, when I was a kid, and I'm sure when you're a kid, getting into things like Led Zeppelin was like, well, Led Zeppelin was already gone. You know what I mean? It was, like, so, it was like, even back then. So for today, for a kid to be getting into Led Zeppelin is no less relevant, you know what I mean? So regardless of which band it is, and, and there's a long list of bands that people will say, those guys just sound like this. But when I was a kid, I, whether it was Motley Crue or whatever rock band, Somebody older than me said, those guys were a ripoff of, you know, take yeah. your pick. You know, that's just sort of the way it went. So having kids get into Greta Van Fleet or Dirty Honey and bands that, you know, have a, you know, they they have a familiar um, thing about them. But yeah, that's, you know, that's, it's really exciting to me to, to watch kids. I don't know about you, but I, it was such a bizarre thing when that Guitar Hero thing kind of happened and kids were coming up and going like, I love that song uh Mississippi Queen or I'm like, how the hell do you know Mississippi Queen? And they'd be like, from Guitar Hero. And I'd be like, oh, wow. And I, I didn't, you know, I was just not plugged into that whole world. And I was like, wow. And I actually thought that was really cool that that thing came along. And I'm sure some kids, because of the nature of how you find music now, were going back and finding old mountain records and like old, you know, Grand Funk Railroad or whatever. I mean, that that's kind of how we did it too. We'd hear a song and go, who is this? now that's uh cream and you go wow cool you know and and you just kind of it's easier now to educate yourself just because of the wealth of information out there but um i would never you know uh i would never come down on anybody for saying they like this band and then think to myself well they're just ripping off this it's like to that kid that what i'm saying is not relevant
1: I do a lot of new music spotlights with a lot of new bands and I'm always intrigued whenever I ask that question, what hooked them on rock and roll? The answer is Guitar Hero. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. The younger that, guys, that, yeah. That's yeah. how they got introduced to rock music. What was the other? There was Guitar Hero and there was something band or... Um, rock Band. Rock Band. Yeah. It's yeah. either one of the... For a lot of times, it's one or the other. And yeah. it's really interesting how that's how, you know, that was their gateway. And it yeah. makes sense, too, because... It did become the video game generation that sure. MTV generation became the video game generation and you know what better way that's why I don't understand why a lot of new bands don't put their music on video games I mean if you want to I, I think of my son who's a teenager and the bands that he's into were all when he was playing NHL whatever year it was on on PlayStation totally or, or whatever um and, and that familiar what's, what's the band that he uh um Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm drawing a blank now, but there's so many bands that that was his gateway as he was sitting there hearing the songs over and over. over. over again, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like it's like the radio. Totally. So, I mean, it does mean something. When but somebody
2: it, got somebody got hip to that, because when you say like, why we don't put more music into those games, it's because someone is hip to it and they know that that's, you know, that's where everybody's trying to get their music these days. Right. It's, it's such a fascinating game, you know, I mean, like I'm putting out a project right away. Um, and it's very interesting having the conversation where you're kind of like, in your mind, you still want it to be, you know, it, you're thinking like, well, there is a chance, somehow it ends up on the radio. But there is a, you know, a much larger chance that it's probably not, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's the nature of of a business that is like, you know, more, more traffic than ever, you know, and it's just like harder to get heard and seen and, and and a lot of younger guys or anybody putting out new music will complain that you know if i put my music out on friday it feels like by saturday you know there's some there's a hundred other things that have come along and, and taken the attention away and i well yeah that's unfortunately um as amazing as the internet is because you can release a song um you know be a local band here in vegas or whatever release a song and people from japan to australia to south america can hear your song instantly but that also means that like i say the next day when somebody else releases something you know you, you it, it's just the, it's just the nature of how things are the attention span all that kind of stuff but these are not reasons to not make music you know what i mean like to me it's like I, I still feel like i think that you know the there's something really exciting about the fact that you know Today this song, you know, or or yesterday this song didn't exist. Today it exists and that can mean anything or it can mean absolutely nothing. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you just never know if like James Cameron decides to put it in his movie and it changes your life or they put it in the new NHL game or whatever it is. Um a, a, you know, there is a very good chance that it'll you know some people online will really dig it and 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 that's really cool that you did that and and it might just go away, but I don't think I've ever really lost that sort of um, just the fascination with like how cool it is that this song didn't exist yesterday. Now it exists. Isn't that cool? Like that's, it it could be, it could be anything. It could be. And like I said, it could be absolutely nothing, but that's, but being absolutely nothing is never going to be absolutely nothing to me. It's like, it's just something that we did. And it's, and I'd rather have it there and, 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 you know, and have to kind of deal with like, well, it didn't go platinum. You know, it's like, well, so what, you know, Paul McCartney or, or all kinds of guys are putting out records that aren't reaching what they should be reaching. That's just the nature of, of trying to make music in 2022 or in the 21st century in general is it's not what it was. You know what I mean? And, and uh, but they still do it, you know what I mean? And that's, and, and Paul McCartney still writing songs because that's what he does. You know, And you know, I,
1: I remember this interview with Jeff Pilson. God, this is going back probably 15 years, 15 plus years talking about, you know the, the the things outside of music that can get your band noticed, and he said, "If only somebody had a Docking shirt in like a major <laughs> blockbuster movie, yeah. you know, yeah. or or yeah. the hottest actors on the Tonight Show with a Docking shirt, he's like, we would be superstars overnight because of that t-shirt."
2: Totally, no, I, he's absolutely not wrong, and that's the thing about about you know, like 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 Stranger Things and the Kate Bush song. It's like you know, I'm sure Kate. You know, Kate's had an amazing career and and her life is whatever it is right now. But I'm sure it's kinda like, what? <laughs> it's kinda like when, I, when all those checks start rolling in and, and like she's like, what the hell's going on? she probably just said when someone said, Hey, they want to put this in a TV show, she's probably like, Yeah, okay, cool. And now it's like, you know, it's it's I, I don't know what's what, you know, state her what she's thinking, but it's that perfect opportunity that into the fire by Dawkin might get used in something in, in a you know year from now. And all of a sudden the phone starts ringing and like, yeah, that's, that's the coolest thing about music is it's, you know, people don't really just because you made something here's, here's a weird example. Just today I was talking to my wife and, and a friend about Moby Dick. I don't know how it came up the book. And then we were like, who was the author of that? And we went down the rabbit hole and I, and I just said, As I was reading this thing in Wikipedia, it said it was basically a commercial failure upon its release and didn't become a success until like the centennial celebration of his birth, Melville's birth or something like that. And I was like, so he wasn't alive like many artists to see his work become in his life. He was like. Well, that was a flop. You know what I mean? It's like, so you kind of like Moby Dick, like well, the great American novel was a flop. You know what I mean? And he lived his entire life and died thinking, well, nah, whatever, you know, that's a huge book too. If you look at it, it's like he, he wrote that like for years, you know, and then, but that's the weirdest thing about music and the weirdest thing about, you know, art, if we may use the word so, so loosely is that, you know, it, um, no matter what, there are going to be, be, be people who are dead and gone. And and that song is, you know, some song that they wrote when they were 25 is going to be a hit again because it was in a movie or something or on a TV show or on a video game. And we're all going to go like, wow, what a great song. We're all going to go down that rabbit hole and, and, and snatch up all those old recordings of theirs. That's the coolest thing is, is that we are not immortal, but the music kind of is. You know, the music will live on forever. So, you know, for better or worse, sometimes our, our greatest mistakes live on forever, too. But that's part of the deal. I think about
1: Led Zeppelin when they were yeah. at the height of their career. Totally. Critics critics panned them at any any chance they could get. Okay. Now there's magazines dedicated, articles dedicated, writers dedicated to finding the meaning of these Led Zeppelin songs and these lyrics, and they're more popular than ever. I mean, they could put out a photo book, sell it for 500 bucks, and it'll sell out. It's just amazing how, how once you get farther, or when, when you get farther and farther away from it, it becomes more appreciated. It becomes... And and the weirdest
2: thing is, and and they were doing that in their 20s, you know what I mean? It would probably be, uh, it probably could be argued by every one of those guys that they were doing great, great things um, post-Led Zeppelin. um, But what they did, the four of them, in that moment in time you know is just the legacy it lives on forever and and you're absolutely correct because I say the same thing about like bands like the Ramones Ramones are bigger now all four original Ramones are dead and you'll see that t-shirt a hundred times a day so if you pay attention you see that that logo whether it's like somebody using the logo for their own gain um, but you see that logo and you think to yourself if back when those guys were doing their thing everybody took it for granted. You know, it's kind of like, Oh, we'll see them next time. You know I mean? They were playing like they were always playing if they had survived long enough to, to sort of break up and take it away for five years and then watch it kind of like, you know, just have that reunion tour, just be a huge cash in, you know, but that's the weirdest thing is, and and it's perfectly okay. I'm like, you know, I I would never, uh, you know, compare myself to Led Zeppelin or, or Melville or the Ramones, but you know, the idea of like, I'm just, Thrilled that I get to do this, you know. I mean, I, I've sort of fell out of this business, you know, you know, a few times, just kind of when you. Well, I guess that's the end of that, you know. No matter what you do, you sort of you feel like, okay, well, I guess your phone stops ringing or whatever, and you kind of got to go do whatever. Um, but then you find another way, another back door to work your way back into the industry, and 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 in a lot of ways, Slash was kind of that for me. And it put it sort of put me in front of a, a much larger audience and they seem to, you know, look for what I'm doing. And in that included would be things like minefield and Bruce Kulick and Took and all the things that I've, that I've done to this point. So um, I'm going to do it until I can't, you know,
1: When you think of those projects and I know we touched on it earlier with, you know, scheduling matters and whether you can feel the vibe, you know, when you're working on a project, but, but really, you know, when you are involved in something, whether it's minefield, whether it's with Bruce, whether it's with Tracy Guns now, or anything that you're working on, you know, do you know if it's something that's going to be sustained, or do you think, do or do you know if this is going to be a one-off? You know, how do you, how is that determined for you?
2: I think a lot, a lot of that is, is, you know, is in the eye of the beholder as well. Is sort of, you know, guys like me and Tracy who, you know. I love the guy, and we've known each other a long time. And and this, I really, I always equate it back to that kind of, well, we've always been looking for a project to do together. You know, it's like, and then Richard Linklater called, he had this script. You know, it's like, it just, it always feels like old Hollywood in a way when you talk about it. But it, but it does have this sort of, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, guys like him who, who, um, he's just so, he's a lot more prolific than people kind of, kind of give him credit for. And then, you know, when he comes at me and goes, you know, I'd like you to like to do this with you. What do you think? And you go, yeah. In the same way, like the Neil Sean <laughs> Sammy Hagar type idea where you go, that's as, that's as much as you commit to it really As you kind of think, well, we're going to make great music. I mean, I don't really know if, you know what that means. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be like this time next year, you and I are talking and it's like, that thing is a massive success or if it's just some cool thing that I did and I'm perfectly okay with it being this cool thing that I did. And, and, and that was a blast. And if we get a chance to do it again, that'd be great. But, um, it's really impossible to really say whether something is going to be a, um, like even like with minefield being like something that really, if, if it wasn't for COVID, there was no way we, any of us would have been able to do that because how busy the East Fraley guys are and how busy I am in my world. Um, it just, you know, we would not have had the time. So, COVID presented a lot of those kind of opportunities just because of, you know, guys sort of like creative people who are like, well, I, I can't be out touring or I can't be out playing, but what I can do is write songs and, and release them in whatever fashion they can be released, you know, in this day and age. So um, that's one of the cool things about, you know, this this new world is, you, you, you know, you can put it out. It's all up to the, you know, again, the eye of the beholder as to who's going to hear it, but you can put music out
1: i think of that winery dogs debut album totally you yeah. know with richie and and mike Fortnoy and and billy that, essentially
2: a super group really right yeah. right and yeah. i think
1: i don't think that there was ever a you know a thought of doing a second record um at least i don't know i mean there could have been but yeah it just seemed like that kind of took on on a life of its own and yeah. almost kind of forced their hand to make a second album now they're working on a third album so there's always yeah. that that potential yeah. to do that um yeah. But, you know, when you, are, when you are putting together that stuff, I mean, you know, there has to be, you know, when you hear the music that's coming out, like with Mindfield and, and, you know, obviously Slash is a different entity, but, you know, maybe with this project with Tracy, and you know how good it is, right? I think this is some really good stuff, you know, as far as on the artist side, where, are, I mean, is it become the norm for you to just make the music and stay within that music? and not get ahead of like expectations of what what's going to happen with this is it just a project for you is it just making the music and working with different people that you've wanted to work with and if it goes somewhere it goes somewhere if it doesn't hey it's still a kick ass album um it, it's
2: it's all of that in a weird way because you know i think we all have like um you know ambitions as far as like everybody wants to 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 see what they're doing be recognized and, and appreciated and, 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 and find an audience, you know what I mean? um. But I think everybody's sort of more realistic than ever these days that, you know, it is what it is. And, and if you're lucky enough, and that's kind of how I feel these days is that if I'm lucky enough to be able to still be doing this um, and still be moving forward, whether it's creatively or, or playing shows or whatever it is, you know, it's kind of like, it's all good to me, you know, and, and it's, and I feel very fortunate to be able to do it with people that I appreciate and respect um, and have that fun adventure together. Like, let's, let's do this thing. And if, and if it, if it, if it connects great, if it doesn't, well, you know, what was the loss really other than making some music that we feel good about. And I think that that's, uh, trust me, I've been through every version of this business, whether it's like signed to a major label. Um, and that's just as touch and go as, as what we do now, you know, when you're signed to a major label. And I, I think a lot of it, there's Things that I prefer to this way of doing it, because um, I was just talking to a friend of mine last week who is working on, um, you know, proposing a script to insert major company here, you know, under contract to to create a series basically for for for. And within that is all the things that I forgot about being on a major label where where this person's making a, uh, you know, just inane suggestions, you know, <laughs> just to kind of like, feel like they're part of the process. Like, could there be a dog in the series? You know, like, like what that has, that has nothing to do with the series I'm writing, you know, but that's, that's being in a major label situation. You've got an A&R guy, you've got the label president, you've got your manager, you've got agents, you've got everybody throwing their two cents at you and and the producer. And then the guys within your band, it, you can, you can really get sort of like, you really have to take a hard look at why are we doing this? You know, you kind of feel like, um, am I way far off from what I was trying to do? Because you get so (laughs) kind of confused within the hamster wheel of just writing and writing and writing and creating and creating and creating. And half the time, you know, especially with some of the, you know, when you're, you're sort of like, this is what's currently going on in the music industry. Focus all your energy on doing something like this. And by the time you're sort of like kind of up and doing something like that, whatever was happening in the music industry has already shifted to something else. So what you were doing is no longer relevant. Now you have to do this. So I was always sort of like looked at people like Prince and said, but Prince just does Prince. You know, he doesn't worry about like, you know, like whatever's going on in the music business, he's going to do what he does. And I think that's why people like him win. so even for me, it's just kind of like, you know, just, I just want to make music, you know, I, I want to play music. And if, if the, if the worst part about that is that um I made, made a recording with a friend of mine and we feel really good about it, but it didn't really, you know, it didn't buy me a house. It's like, it's like, I didn't get into this, mu- into this business to buy a house in the first place. You know, it's kind of like, I just love making music. And when people told me all the horror stories of like, you know, Oh, well, look at this famous artist. They they ended up getting spit out the other side of it and are broke now. I'd be like, whatever, man. Look at the music he made. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that to me was the important part. Um, I mean, obviously there's a there's a balancing act with within trying to be able to do this and maintain a a lifestyle where you can continue to do it. So um, I don't really see a downside in, in making music. You know, it's I I'd rather just keep creating music, and if it if it's not successful depending on whatever definition you want to use to me it's still better than just kind of going through the motions and you know rinse repeat the end (laughs)
3: yeah
2: (laughs) which you know i i that's part of the business too is is getting out there and and you know driving that whole thing home and, and playing music and just you know making sure it's you know the people are getting what they want essentially and that's there's no there's no failure in that either to me
1: when does the project with tracy start it started,
2: you know, we're already kind of in that process. Um, you know, I've got another project with, um, Will from, uh, Evanescence. We have a project coming out later this year. Um, and then Tuke is really busy this summer. Um, Bruce, the Bruce band fires back up for two Kiss cruises this year. Um, and then, you know, the slash thing is always kind of you know, bubbling under the surface. We had a wacky, we put out a record earlier this year, but because of how everybody's schedules from 2020, you know, turned into 2021 and then turned into 2022 as far as touring goes. So guns is kind of happening over there right now. And that sort of took away from our um, ability to promote the record correctly or or sort of more entirely in a way. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, the one thing I will give Slash is that he – No one can tell that guy to stop. It's, it's unbelievable. I can't keep up. (laughs) It's like, you know, Slim Jim Phantom said to me once, he goes, doesn't he ever just want to stay home and pet the dog? I go, no. He's like, you know, he doesn't have a dog. (laughs) He's got, he's
1: got, he's got got snakes or spiders, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. You don't pet those. So yeah, he's, he's just one of those guys. He's always working. He always wants to be doing something. He always wants to be creating. And I find that really inspiring. So you know, I, I think he is one of the greatest work ethics there are. And uh, although I don't really call what I do necessarily work ethic because I'm not really I, it's I don't know. I think work ethic sort of more strikes me as kind of like knowing what the outcome of the work is going to be. Like if I put in eight hours today, I get this much money to me. It's like it's more of a creative payback than it is about money to me. And I, I'm I'm just happy to be a part of, you know, making music in any fashion. You know, at this point, I thought for sure I would have been kicked out the other side, you know, I don't know, playing, uh, you know, cover songs in a in a restaurant, which is which is, you know, that's the retirement plan. <laughs> I'm fine with that.
1: Is there a, a, a record label? Is it going to be independent with you and Tracy? Has that been determined yet? Frontiers is handling it. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. uh, which is one of the fun, you know, in this
2: day and age with with trying to make music and trying to get budgets and trying to do something like uh, real is more and more challenging all the time. So when companies like that come along and they're, and they're really cool about like, they, they kind of have that, that, that thing of like, what if we took that guy and that guy, would you guys do something together? And then you go, yeah, well, let's see what happens, you know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, mostly that's just, it's basically just Tracy sort of coming to me and going like, what if we did something like this? And I'm like, yeah, sounds like fun. You know I mean? it, It all sounds like fun with the right, like I said, when it comes to scheduling and everything, because like, I have had you know plenty of friends who approach me about what about this, what about that, and I'm like, oh, I've got too much on my plate, or or whatever's going on, and you know, you just can't make it happen. So, um, but that said, it's you know, uh, you know, it, like I said, there are 52 weeks in the year, and uh, and they're all full right now.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> from, here to, from here, I go to
2: from here to I go to a rehearsal for uh, raiding the rock vault. My friends here in Vegas have a show. And I do it when I'm in town, so I'm I'm very excited because it has it's been closed for a couple of years because of COVID. So they're opening this weekend, so I'm going to be a part of. it.
1: not isn't Jay Shellen part of that from
2: Hurricane? He he generally is, although Blas Elias is playing drums right now. From, okay, from okay.
1: I think is Jay playing drums with Yes now? Yes. I think. Yeah,
2: okay. I think I think he's sort of the full time guy now since Alan passed away.
1: Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. Underrated drummer. That guy's uh, that guy's incredible.
2: Jay. Yeah. He's a monster, dude. Like, I I actually had no idea, you know, because I only really, you know, I knew about, I was really into Hurricane as a kid and all that kind of stuff. But he's really prog, which you would have to be to be in something like Yes. Um, But his skills are, like, pretty mind-blowing, actually.
1: What about, um, you know, the Kiss Cruise? He got a really good bill. I saw Black Label on that. I saw Dokken. I saw, I'm like, bands that I never would have thought. Would be on the Kiss Cruise. It's it's kind of like you know their last hurrah. They're bringing some some different yeah. accents on, on on the boat with them, so that's kind of cool.
2: It's very cool. We actually um, last year because Sebastian couldn't get on the boat. I, I don't know what kind of what happened with all that, but Sebastian Bach couldn't get on the boat, so we turned the Sebastian Bach set into a jam set. So Brad Gillis or Jack Blades or whoever, like some of the Queens right guys, whoever was on the boat, we would jam. And the Bruce guys are all jammers, so um, uh, so this year we're doing it on both cruises, um, and Lita Ford is is a guest, and then Sebastian Bach's a guest on the on the other one. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun, just you know, creating um, a bit of a set with say Lita, and then whoever's on the cruise. Zach wants to get up and play Black Sabbath. We're going to play Black Sabbath.
1: You know, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Todd, it's been a blast as always. Thanks again for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks. Thanks for listening. Take care of each other. Stay safe. And we will talk soon. Thank you.